0: Welcome to Deconstructed, the podcast of the Grand Valley Construction Association. I'm your host, Jeff McIntyre. We talk with construction industry leaders to break down the issues affecting our businesses. The objective is to understand them better and move towards building a stronger and more collaborative construction industry here at home and across Canada. Today's guest on Deconstructed, the podcast of the Grand Valley Construction Association is Mayor Cam Guthrie from the City of Guelph. Welcome, Cam. Welcome, Cam hey thanks for having me I, I really appreciate it i've been looking forward to this discussion for a long time i've been following you from afar and been a you know i like and post and and repost some of your comments um we'll talk about a number of things today we could talk about highway 7 between kitchen and waterloo and the fact that uh i've been at more announcements and eaten more cake for celebrating that uh, then actually if things have moved forward well you're you're one up on me i never got cake so through the chamber of commerce i don't know what
1: parties you're going to for for that highway but there's a lot of there's a lot of cake i don't think i was alive when they announced uh when they were going to build that highway
0: (laughs) that's an important link to building community we'll talk about that um i will acknowledge that uh, and i and i'm you know, good for you. You were recently acknowledged as uh, one of 2023's most influential mayors. And I think that's something to be very proud. You know what, you can shrug it off, but that's a big deal because it just means you're doing things different and you care about your community. And everything I've ever read about you is, you know, you really understand what better looks like. You have a vision of that. Um, You're a great politician. With the, It appears to me the mandate is as long as they keep you in power. You'll do a great job, and if if they ever vote you out, you know your life will go on. So, I, so I kind of applaud people that aren't lifelong politicians, but really are doing things for the right, uh, right uh, merit. Thank you very much. Community. I appreciate. Sorry. I
1: said thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you reading the intro I sent to you prior to the. No,
0: it's <laughs> did Not I did not get one. I must have missed that. So, um, we're going to focus a lot today on housing and all the different types of housing but really the the intent of of this discussion is um the crisis that we're in you've you know you've you you routinely talk about this and we could talk about supportive housing we could talk about affordable housing we could talk about attainable housing we could talk about luxury housing um there's they're all in play right now as we're building a community and i i always applauded um well i always thought go off at this really unique place where if I ever got a job in Toronto, I would have moved to Guelph because it's closer.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think
0: in the past, I think in the past it was uh, drive till you could afford it. If you're working in Toronto, uh, that's no longer the case. Um, tell me a little bit about housing in in uh, and I'll I'll dig into some of the particular things. But what is, what is the state of housing in in Guelph and surrounding areas right now? And how is yeah. it a crisis? And where are we what do we got to do? Well, it's absolutely a crisis. So we'll get that, that
1: answer out of the way, uh, right away. Um, and it isn't just Guelph, it is everywhere, but you know, one of the first, you know, you know, on your journey to find solutions, uh, I think the first thing you got to do is admit something. And so it's important to admit we are in a crisis. So now we've named it, we own it. Now we got to try to figure out solutions uh, as we move forward to this crisis. Uh, you know, there's, uh, some stats that are just unbearable, uh, for us. And I'm just trying to remember them off the top of my head. I think I have this right. Like a one bedroom apartment in Guelph to rent is now up to almost $2,300 a month. Yeah. Uh, housing costs have gone up uh, over 40% in the last, just in the last few years. Uh, and it's uh, incredibly difficult for people, especially on, um, what I would call the lower end of the continuum of housing. So on that sort of really deeply affordable or even entry level uh, attainable type of housing, it's just, uh, you know, the, the the thing that we hear often is, you know, kids living in their parents' basement or whatever longer. And, you know, people that are usually comfortable comfortably housed will kind of shrug that off, but no, it's, it's actually true. It's actually very, very true. Uh, There's not a lot of movement within the housing continuum, and so, all types of housing is really dearly needed, and it's uh, it's becoming a really big struggle. So, uh, one of the things I always try to sort of set the stage of expectations when I'm talking about this is, you know, the city and most cities uh, are like this. We we don't build housing, right. we we approve them, and so we still have ownership in everything that we do to help with the building, uh, to get those approvals done. Process-wise, policy-wise, but uh, but we need you know everybody sort of at the table on this crisis. Upper levels of government, the development community, yes, municipal uh, staff, yes, municipal politicians, and the community. We need everybody, private sector, nonprofit sector, all involved in trying to tackle this issue.
0: So we'll get into some of the solutions um, and some of the problems with the current model. Um, the uh, is it possible to have a healthy community without a without a without a housing solution right now like i'm I'm very concerned for what community is going to look like down the road when entry level as you said doesn't you can't even afford that so how do you how do you possibly survive as a community when everyone's just making mortgage payments or or, or paying high rent like runaway rents what what, what, is the, what are the implications of this housing crisis beyond just saying it's unaffordable? Like, we're, dig into that for me a little bit. Well, yeah, so I'm actually very
1: concerned that you're going to have sort of different sectors uh, not being able to stay within the community. Now, when I define sectors, I mean, um, the younger generation, that sector, you know, from a family perspective, where are they going to be able to find a place to live? and be able to contribute back to the community, not just from a job perspective, but also from a a volunteerism perspective. You know, when people leave or or they can't find a place to live, they're taking their talent and their skill set away from the community that they're supposed to try to be in. So that's one major area, and especially with work from home and hybrid options now, it becomes even easier for some of these younger families, that generation, that sector, to be able to move away and still work but they're not in the community that they're in. Then there's other sectors, I would say, even the uh, uh, senior sector, where they would normally get to a certain age and uh, a point in their life where they want to downsize. They can't downsize to anything, so they're, they, they can't afford anything. So they're staying in these homes, they're overhoused, and they're staying in their in their homes for a much longer time now. And that is a huge problem for the community too. And then finally, I would say from an employment sector point of view, If you want to attract new jobs, new industry, new businesses to your community, and you can't provide those people with the housing that they would need to support them coming with their factory or their business, whatever they want to put up here, um, how are you going to be able to check the box then for that company to choose your city? You may have everything that they're looking for, the workforce, the quality of life, the amenities, the geographical position of your city, but if you cannot provide affordable housing or options in housing for those employees, then they're going to start looking elsewhere. So it's a problem on the economic sector side as well. So those would be kind of three areas, that generational of young people, generation of seniors, and that sector uh, in regards to employment and industry
0: opportunities, uh, economic development for the community. Yeah you you I love what you're saying. So go let's go a little further on some of this. So uh, there's profit as a problem and you may, you acknowledge it earlier the fact that municipalities don't build housing. You know they're responsible for community but yet they they move it through and traditionally what we've seen Maybe maybe slowing down now. We're not seeing a lot of new cranes for condo developments, particularly on the on the on the on the purchase side. I mean, we're seeing more rental stuff. But as you said, runaway rents are are concerning. But to yeah. talk about how, you know the profitability and and that is is a tough thing. But as a as a mayor of a city, give me some personas of of these individuals so so we can talk very high level. And that's one of the things that always concerned me is that there's no identity connected to this to this. Um, you know, this, this situation. So who are these people that are affecting that are that this housing price is affecting, give me an example of some of your constituents, potentially people you've talked to, and then how do we, you know, what, what would better look like for those individuals?
1: Well, okay. I got a story for you. Um, about maybe two months ago, we had a, a fire, an unfortunate fire out an apartment just in our downtown core. And I think there was about 30, units in there or 30 about 30 families or, or individuals and they were all working class people um, some of them new immigrants to our community um, some of them are there a little bit longer term uh, and of course they've all been displaced and so what happens is is that you know in that type of a situation our social services in any city the social services manager would then you know swoop in and try to help those people Uh, temporarily until they find another place to live. So they are put up often in hotels as they're trying to kind of get their life back together after a fire like that. Well, as I said, that happened two months ago and zero people have been rehoused because those people, those people were probably paying 1400, $1,500 a month for their apartment. But now it's $2,300 a month. Now it's $2,400 a month. And these people can't find any place for them to live. So that, that tells you uh, uh, an issue right there, I think, that describes, as you said, you were looking for a story about citizens. There's one right there that is so very, very real of people that can't even find a place to afford. Even in an emergency situation, the costs are just so out of scope for them that they if they find it very difficult, I would then say probably, and if we're talking about the housing continuum, you know, they would probably be sort of in the middle. If we go lower or the starting range of the continuum around homelessness, and trying to put people into supportive housing, uh, you know, those types of units are, are, we're building them, we're approving them, they're getting done, uh, but they will be full. And there's too many more people within uh, the lineup, within, uh, within the community that are ready to have even more problems with losing jobs, affordability issues, that they may now need those types of housing as well. And so that's a big struggle too. I would say that, you know, those are really the two that jump out at me. Yes, I can talk about the, the market rent or the market ownership. Um, people, the working class, and stuff like that. But I, I, my main concern is more on the the starter or the lower end of the housing continuum for those that are struggling the most.
0: Right. When you talked, and you know, as a as a, an association, we have seven hundred members strong. Whether they're a building, you know, developers, owner building owners, general contractors, subcontractors, and suppliers and we talk about uh, talent, price is an issue. So just one last question on the profitability side, when a developer is coming to council and they say, you know, the so you have a pledge, we'll talk about that, how many houses Guelph pledge pledged and how we're going to get there, number one, but they, they talk about, uh, you know, they want to put 300 units uh, in the sky um, and it's not affordable housing. So what they do is they put a pledge to supportive housing or, you know, assisted housing, and then they just hack that number back on top of the project and the condo people that are purchasing, the, purchasing the condos inevitably end up paying for it. But that's why the cranes aren't going up right now in our community. And others I'm hearing more and more is that it's getting stalled out because the people can't afford a thousand dollars a square foot for a condominium uh, for a purchase price. Plus that, you know, and that includes everything else. So I think the model, the profitability model is a problem.
1: Yeah. And I get- You know, I've heard a a little bit of that. I would just counter to say that in some cases, though, it is upper levels of government that can provide grants to offset the costs of those other units within a a condo development. As an example, the cranes in the sky, as you described it, Um, those units, the other units within there don't have to be paying more to accommodate the lesser costs of the affordable ones if it's coming from upper levels of government. Then that would be a straight subsidy that they could they could use. Um, look, I, I'm not against profit by by any means. I, I've always defined uh, in my in my own life that it's what people do with profit that can be maybe a little bit scrutinized. Uh, but profit makes uh, makes things work, and, and that's how that's how things go in the real world. And and I I, I understand that. Uh, so I don't mind uh, profit. I don't mind it at all. I think one of the things I've heard from a lot of developers over the years is that if the municipal sort of processes could go faster, then there would be more opportunity for actually more community benefits, such as maybe affordable housing or other benefits that community could get out of that development. But as things uh, get bogged down, as processes become delays and delays and delays, the profit margin starts to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. And And so that community benefit option then becomes less and less and less and less because the profit is, is, is getting lower and lower. So I think, uh, I think that's another thing that, from a process point of view, municipalities have to understand there's a lot of great developers that really want to give back to the community and they may not give back to the community in the actual project that they're making. They may give back to the community in multitudes of other ways, right. donations and charity work and stuff like that. But as we take longer in the process, that that ability to give back to the community shrinks more and more and more uh, project by project.
0: So you, we can go to so many different directions and I, and I really like your your opinion, your attitude on this. Um, you talked about the lower end, the concern. I, you know, hate to say that terminology, but it's the no. entry level <laughs> and whatever. But having said that, um, I talked to you know the university president and the hospital CEO, and both of them have lost talent in the last. But they've made offers to senior people that we need in this community, whether it be professional staff, doctors, and an anesthetist or or a or professor. They lost talent because they they, they like the wage. But they couldn't, you know, they couldn't justify the cost of living here compared to some other places. So I think it's continuum right through the whole process. And yes. I know, are you hearing talent and talent acquisition as a concern in Guelph and, and, and other areas?
1: Yes. And so uh not quite sure the hospital. You're talking about the
0: Guelph Hospital in Guelph University or? I don't want to. Yeah, well, it's, no, it's it's in Waterloo. It's in Kitchener, so but I'm basically house, but no different. I mean, I'm assuming you're the same challenges. It, it, they're pretty they'd
1: be the same challenges everywhere with no matter, no matter what it is. So you're, you're absolutely right. And I think um, the, the issue too is, is that um, people nowadays can kind of be picky. Uh, right. When they're trying, right. They can, they can be picky as they're trying to find a job. Uh, I I finding sometimes the roles are reversing oh. a little bit where it's like um, <laughs> the person uh, applying for the job is actually interviewing the employer uh, more, more often now. And that, that comes up. Work from home, hybrid benefits, salary, and oh, by the way, where am I going to live? Where's my family going to go? All uh, right. Those are all things now that are very prevalent and, and top of mind for people as they're trying to uh, make their way into whatever job opportunity it is. And so it does happen at the higher end, just as much as it's that struggle at the at the lower end too, um,
0: as well. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it it it's kind of alarming when you you know you're offering someone two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and they look at the delta between what their income is and what it costs to get a 2000 square foot home and going i why would i spend my money to live yeah. in this community um it's it's very scary so down to the other end um i've had many discussions with minister of uh, immigration and talks and you know the in construction industry which is i which is what i focus on but i really focus on the industry that builds community we talk they talk regularly about um Oh, we can get you more people. And I say, cool. Where are they going to live? Exactly. And it's almost like the government and there is some support, but I think it's a disjointed uh, like build build housing first. Then then we get the, you know, the, the immigration to come in. We, you know, we both immigration net new to our community, net new to the country. Um, we need the people. There's no question about it. From every level, whether it be the service industry to manufacturing to transportation to our, you know, to uh, to construction, all the way up to presidents and and you know and professors. So, yeah, uh, is there discussions from the the feds in the province and like what if they gave you money? What would you do with it?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really funny that you brought this up because uh, honestly, like uh, an hour ago, I just read some uh preliminary polling that came out I, I found it online somewhere um and i'm so sorry i can't remember who the pollster was so credit to that to them but um they said that uh they were talking about the high level of immigration that the federal government has set the targets for which is about half a million a year and if i if i remember correctly i think i remember hearing the premier uh once saying that you know about 300,000 or more of those people come to ontario right uh and um Uh, The polling said that about 37 percent of people are very, very concerned with the amount of immigration coming in compared to the housing uh, issues. Uh, It's not that they're against immigration. None of us are. We need the workforce. We need them. We want to welcome them, et cetera, et cetera. It's just the concerns around that many people coming in. And then again, where are we going to be able to try to house them uh, for that reason? So that's not an opinion of you, Jeff, or opinion of me. that's a real poll uh, that I just read like like an hour ago. And so I would say that uh, the other thing too, though, is that uh, you mentioned you're from Waterloo and there's other university towns. Guelph is a big university and college town as well. And uh, it's actually uh, international students is actually another piece of this issue for our type of cities where they need major housing uh, situations as, as well. So you have immigration, you have international students, and then you have a normal housing crisis on top of that. Uh, yeah. So it's just, it, it's a, a perfect storm of all these issues colliding, uh, especially in cities where there's universities and colleges.
0: Yeah, the, we've had this discussion with the president of University Waterloo as an example and said, you know, do you, do you let the community know how many international students are going to be coming in every September and share that. So we can look at how and when we're going to, we're going to house them. And they don't, um, but they also, you know, people will say, well, we'll put them up in hotels. I go try and get a hotel room in Waterloo right now, or in Guelph, any university town. That's where, you know, that, that has become primary housing for a lot of individuals because of, of of the situation. So, so you talk, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Yeah. If
1: I could just jump in on that because, I just want to give you an example in Guelph. So we have one hotel in Guelph that has been completely taken over since COVID with those struggling with homelessness. To this day, it's still full. Um, And then we've had another hotel that was uh, converted into nothing but student uh, apartment, uh, student apartments. And then we had a third hotel uh, that is close to the university. And the university has just rented the entire hotel for students for the next three years. Right. So like, again, you're very right. Like hotels, you know, that used to be for the reason that they exist, which is you're visiting a city and you, you book a room. I mean, they're being completely taken over now from a housing situation point of view, uh, which can cause other issues in the ripple effect of, 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 temporary housing, short-term rentals, like Airbnbs, to long-term rentals, and it's it becomes a a, a messy chessboard of things moving around.
0: Yeah, and you talked about, you know, my situation is I have two children that are in their late 20s, and they both are in the game. One of yeah. them had to drive till they could afford it, so they live in Woodstock right now, and they just yeah. upgraded a house. But to spend, you know, to have a uh, $500,000 mortgage which is nothing now that doesn't get you anything Uh, i would i don't know how i would have been able to sleep at night years ago because i'm in a situation that another one had to buy half a house with the in-laws that was the only way to do it where they duplexed it so this these are my children these are you know this is a situation so here's the blue sky opportunity um the the municipalities have a tendency to you you don't build houses but you own some land maybe Yep. yep right this is your blue sky opportunity to. Uh, oh, and and I know you have an opinion on this, but you know what would better look like? And is it time to empty the cupboard because of where we're at? Like, is is this the time not to not to empty the cupboard of reserve, but it, the things that we're holding on to and we you know we hold near and dear? Maybe that acre of land or two acres or ten acres of land is valuable now, and if we hold on to it, it'll be longer. But maybe the tax revenue and the, you know, the other sources of income and solving the problem could be better. So this is the blue sky, uh, your worship. What does, what would better look like?
1: Uh, well, let's start there. Yeah. Um, I think we should look at not only surplus lands that municipalities own, but existing owned land or assets that can be leveraged to look into t- uh, types of housing. Uh, I, I really believe that sometimes land is part of the most expensive kind of portion of the overall poor forma, especially for nonprofits, social housing, things like that. So what can the city, what can municipalities do with making that land or those assets really available to people? Um, I'm 100% with that. I know our staff are going to be probably looking into that anyways. So that is something that I think every municipality needs to step up and do. The second thing I would say is a lot of municipalities, they do have ownership of land, whether they like it or not sometimes it's just left to them, it's brownfield, right? They're contaminated pieces of land, but usually these are like right in the middle of a built up area within the boundaries of a community. They're near amenities, all the, all the infrastructure is uh, surrounding these brownfields, but we t- it takes millions of dollars to clean up. And, uh, and so we have been really calling on both the provincial and the federal government to say like, if you want to unlock land quickly, as quickly as possible, right where the services and the transit and the amenities are already uh, help us across all municipalities to clean up our brownfield lands. Now, look, I, I I personally, I I don't want to always be, you know, like, Oh, upper levels of government help us out. Like, you know, if we can do it, we should do it too. So I don't want to just pass the buck there. Uh, But there's brownfield lands that I think need to be uh, to be considered as well. Uh, And then I would just say from a Guelph perspective, uh, you know, like we, we did a really good job. We, we updated our zoning uh, a few months ago. And uh, we were actually like ahead of the province. Like to, The province talks about we want to get rid of exclusionary zoning so you can have, you know, a triplex right in a, a, a normal sort of residential uh, house uh, that's currently sitting there. And we, we did all that. We, we did all these zoning changes. and uh, But unfortunately, now it's been appealed. So uh, I'll give you an example. Next week, we have a, a just a regular guy that wants to put a duplex on his uh, property. Mm-hmm. You know, under our zoning that we did, he would have been allowed to do that as of right. He wouldn't have even have had to come to council. But because it's under appeal, uh, we have to now, this poor guy has to come to council. He's got to ask permission. He's got to wait. He's got to pay money and delay his project that would have been didn't even have to come to council. So we did a ton of zoning work, but unfortunately it's all kind of, you know, in limbo right now because of it being appealed. Um, Our official plan that we approved last year uh, also accommodated, you know, in a Guelph perspective, uh, almost 29,000 more units for our our city. Uh, The province came in and actually made a bunch of changes to make it even more than that, uh, about 7,000 extra on top of the 29,000. So we are, uh, we are like ready to go, uh, but there has been sort of some delays and, uh, you know, those are some of the things that cities got to do. They got to create the conditions and the zoning to make things so much easier uh, for people to be able to uh,
0: to build homes. I find your, your attitude very progressive. I mean, Guelph notoriously was, you know, back in, you know, 20 years ago, it was protected from the world in the sense that it didn't want certain things. And, you know, everyone talked about the Walmart appeal and this and that, and, and, there, and it was, you know, it was kind of fun because I used to spend a lot of time in in business in Guelph and I always loved it and I loved how quaint it was, but the reality is that wasn't keeping up with, um, you know, with, with where things were going. What is the, so what was the pledge that Guelph pride provided to the, to the province for a number of houses over the next. Uh, yeah
1: it was 18,000 units by right. 2031. So, you know, I, I'm sort of a goal goal or, goal oriented guy. So, you know, that's like 2000 units a year up until 2031 that we need to, to be doing. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I'll just, you know, it's important to be blunt and <laughs> upfront with everybody. It's going to be tough. Uh, we, we, Let's see here. I think that is, I think in 2014 or 15, we had the highest number of approvals ever. Right. And that was around 1400 or so. So we have to really ramp it up. Uh, but I, I just need to restate. I don't mean this in a mean way, but we approve. We, we don't build. right? And, and so we need the development community uh, to really help us uh, to put those shovels in the ground. And I understand the arena that they're in right now, how difficult it is. Like I, I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. Interest rates, labor, materials, yeah. uh, like the pro formas. I, I totally get it. Um, so maybe if it is a couple years of not, not a lot of shovels in the ground, but as things maybe in the whole arena of our country get a little bit better, um, you know, I'm really hoping it will really ramp up and we get those shovels in the ground and and, and meet that target because I'm, I'm laser focused on
0: meeting. Meeting or exceeding that goal uh, to, to do our part. I love your attitude. I was with the uh, chair of the region of York a few weeks ago, and none of those mayors pledged uh, a, a housing, and as a result of it, didn't receive their strong mayor powers to, oh, allow okay. it to override, which is very unique. Um, yep. there have been there have been mayors in the community that have said, I'm never going to use them because we work collaboratively and collectively. But, but I think in order to make this happen, I think you're going to, you know, you may have to flex every once in a while and use some of these powers and authorities. I'm not asking, putting you on the spot here, but you've been open to say, if I have to do it to move it through, it might be something to consider. As long, but because I guess we've got some pretty big targets. In fourteen hundred was a big year. Two thousand this year does not even begin to solve the, right, the the crisis in your municipality, much less any others. Right? So, well,
1: um, so I don't want to use them at all. I'll say that up front. But I I would say this: like every single housing application that's come forward to this term of council has been approved you know? right uh, So, like we're not, you know, we're not, we're not the hurdle here. Um, from from a council point of view, can we work on processes and policies and make things quicker? And can we figure some stuff outside the box to make it uh, incentives? Or uh, yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. I I I want to be able to make sure that we do that. But as it gave you some numbers from a Guelph perspective, like our official plan automatically added twenty nine thousand units. The province did uh, more than that, gave us an extra seven thousand. Right. And we have we have three large sort of greenfield le- pieces of land that are ready to go. And those three in itself will probably have 15,000 units just on their, on their own. Mm-hmm. So It's not, it's not an issue on our end of wanting to make sure we approve, uh, but it is to create the climate of partnership of working together, uh, respect. And, and also I would say this communication, not to the development community, but communication to the existing community that's here. Right, Things are going to change folks. <laughs> you know, you're going to see taller buildings. You're going to see uh, a triplex down the road from you now, or maybe even a quad, uh, a quad or even more later down the road, if that's a possibility. The, the, the comfortably housed, you are going to be, you're going to feel uncomfortable and we have to do it. We have to do it. So there's a political will there around the decision-making table of council, but we have to communicate to the community about the crisis that it is, and the solutions are going to be uncomfortable as you live in your comfortable house.
0: That takes leadership. My uh, my counselor in my ward, I, I think her slogan should be, you're welcome here if you're already here, kind of. Like she really is opposed to... Uh, she really is opposed to any kind of development. I think you're bang on is comfortably uncomfortable is, is the way of the future. And I think people need to understand through these personas and understanding that these are people and here are their stories. These are young professionals with $30,000 in university debt and two children that are paying $2,700 a month to live in a two bedroom. And there's no way out. Like, I think that's a situation. It's well, the new Canadians. You, Go ahead.
1: Yeah. If you don't mind me jumping in, I just, I got to tell you my story a little bit. I'll do, do as quick as I can. So you know, I very lucky I've I married uh, 24 years to my wife, Rachel, we got married very, very young. Uh, she was, I think, 19. And I was 23, or just about to be 23, I think. And uh, we bought, we never rented, we bought a house mm-hmm. when we got married. And we bought it. I was working at an insurance company at the time. And it was my Uh, first year of salary ever in my life. And it was $21,700 a year. Right. And my wife was working at ladies, a champ in the mall, you know, ladies, clothing and stuff like that. And, um, we got a mortgage, $125,500, I think was our house. And, um, we had to get almost $10,000 together for like everything to get going. And I remember, like I (laughs) sold, I sold my drum set, I sold my baseball cards, I sold some antique stuff that I had been collecting over a while. Like I sold it all to raise that money to get be able to get the down payment and to buy that house. So now, fast forward to today, my wife and I have a twenty year old at home, and a uh, almost could be twenty one this year. And a 19-year-old at home, a son and a daughter. So they are basically, our kids are basically the same age as when Rachel and I got married and were able to buy our first home. There's no freaking way. And I don't mind saying that. There's No. no freaking way my kids can be able to afford a house right now, let alone a down payment. Right. It is, I am passionate about this not because I'm just the mayor and I'm trying to help everybody out. That's my role. And I love it. I am angry and passionate about it because I'm a dad and because I'm a parent and I'm looking at my two kids that are not going to be able to afford a place to live. They are going to have to probably live in our house for a very long time. You know what? wrong. Just, yeah. that's wrong. There's yeah. something very wrong about that. The system is completely broken. The affordability challenges are very real. If the mayor's own kids are having a problem, that is there is something extremely broken. And I am fighting for everybody, but I'm fighting for my own kids. And that's why I'm so uh, talkative about this topic all the time with people, because those that aren't don't understand what's going on, they don't understand the kitchen table conversations that parents are having exactly like what I just described to you across this entire community, in fact, across this country.
0: Please don't stop. This is this is what we need. We we don't need politics at this point. We need personas. We need stories that say here's the reality of the situation. Yeah. As you said, it's the overhoused seniors that you know are living in a 3,000 square foot home in a in a nice neighborhood. They don't need that much house, but they're certainly not going to spend you know two million dollars for the same how you know for a yeah. condominium in the market. That's right. right? That's right. And I think what I like about um, your discussion, Cam, all your feeds and and your follows and your passion is is, is community needs everything. It it needs, you know, needs professors. It needs doctors. It needs, I need construction workers. I need thousands and thousands of them to build the community that we're talking about here. And I think the key, and we also need, as you said, volunteers that People that can afford to live in this community, um Paul caldflesh and and Scott Higgins wrote a book called The Joy Experiment, and basically said people experience joy when they are when they feel like they belong. We don't want people to just exist in our community because that's, that's right. what they can that's afford. Right. Yeah. We want community to be built. Um, and I think that that's what I love about your process—is your passion and your commitment behind it. Is to what would better look like? We can do this, and but the more I think we share those personas, and we more we're, more we get people to understand that it is their children, it is our children, it is new Canadians, it is you know that's our true. parents that need a solution because I need workers, and I, I quite frankly we pay well, our industry pays well, but it doesn't pay well enough to buy a house in our okay. community. And but St. Mary's having the same problem. We all are so.
1: Yeah. It's everywhere. And that doesn't mean we go, oh, it's everywhere. So, you know, we just won't try now, you know, no, it's everywhere, including our own backyards. And we got to try to figure it out. And, um, it's going to take an all of, uh, it's going to take an all of government approach, but as I said at the beginning and community and nonprofits and the private sector, it's, it's going to take everybody uh, to do it. Uh, and we're going to have to all be uncomfortable about it, but that's what you do in a crisis. You get uncomfortable. towards the solutions, right? So um, yeah, this isn't like political speak. Uh, It's not some made up definition. We're in a crisis, a very real crisis and people have got to get their head around it and we got to attack it and do everything we possibly can. And a lot of it is going to be solved, not all of it, but a lot of it is going to be solved by increasing supply. We got to get the shovels in the ground. We have to provide choice for people. The more supply, the more choice. Hopefully, it will start to bring some uh, some rents down and other other costs down. And uh, you know, I just um, I'm just so concerned about uh, yeah the the complete continuum of housing, all, all aspects of it and it yeah it keeps me up at night i'll put it that way
0: <laughs> well mayor cam guthrie it, it has been uh, this was this has exceeded my expectations but this is kind of what i expected when we have this discussion about your passion comes through your commitment to better is there uh this is not the the, the last discussion we'll ever have there's going to be some projects coming forward and like you know i'll bounce those off you and like to get your input i'd like to have you back at some point if you come okay. up with a solution you call me we'll get we'll get this done up. That's so uh, for, sure, for sure, it has yeah. been my pleasure to uh, have this, this discussion with uh, Mayor Cam Guthrie, the Mayor of Guelph. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for being part of the Deconstructed podcast. Anytime. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Deconstructed, the podcast of the Grand Valley Construction Association. You can subscribe to Deconstructed in your favorite podcast app to get notified when it's live. If you want to learn more about the Grand Valley Construction Association or know someone we should have on the show, please contact me at jeff at gvca.org.